many of the new members we know already. They've been with us for a little while, but uh, some of them are a little bit newer. If you don't know some of the new members yet and you've not introduced yourself, make a uh, point to uh, introduce yourself to our new members and get to know them, give them a chance to begin to knit together with us. There are a lot of skills we need in life to cope with the realities that we face every day. For example, we need to learn to get along with people because without that skill, almost anything that we do in life is going to be difficult, if not impossible. We need to learn to care for our basic health needs. In most cases, no one's going to do that for us. More and more, we need to know some of the basics of how to use a computer because we need that skill in school, we need it in the workplace, and sometimes beyond that. There's another skill I'd like to focus on this morning. It's one that I don't believe we necessarily always think of when we think of skills that we need to get along in life. When we're thinking about how and why some things happen in life, a critical skill to develop is to learn to connect the dots. Now, you know the old game. You have a picture made partially or entirely of dots, and you have to draw connecting lines, usually in the correct order, to see the whole picture. And once you do that, in the metaphorical understanding of connecting the dots, you begin to understand how things fit together. Cause and effect, relationships between the things and events in your life. To help us think about how this skill looks in real life, I've developed a little quiz. Gordon drives his sporty little Mazda 3 at 90 miles an hour on the interstate. And he's pulled over by a state trooper. Well, the trooper is going to give Gordon either a friendly greeting, a cookie, or a speeding ticket. What do you think? A cookie, somebody said. Somebody doesn't know how to connect the dots. How about Marin? Marin prefers sleeping late to showing up at work on time. Figure she'd leave when I use her as an illustration, Mike. After arriving at the office two to three hours late for two weeks in a row, Marin's boss tells her to go to bed earlier, take some vacation time and get some rest, or look for another job. What do you think? Pretty obvious, right? As a result of their choices, Gordon and Marin will both very likely experience some unpleasant consequences. But if they learn to connect the dots between their behavior and what happens as a result of their behavior, Gordon will be a safer driver and save himself a little money, and Marin will be a better employee and maybe even keep her job. We learn to connect the dots every day in little things in our lives and in big things. For example, you eat too much, you gain weight. You sit too much, you gain weight. You eat ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you gain weight. You bang your head against the wall or against the pulpit. You get a headache. That's right. You guys are good. Other dots take a little longer to connect. In other words, it's a longer, kind of more circuitous route to get from point A to point Z. And I think this is perhaps where we struggle sometimes in our spiritual lives because the connections may be not quite as apparent as they are Although with some thought and insight, sometimes they might be just as clear as these simple examples that I gave you here this morning. When you connect the dots, you understand the connections and relationships between the things you do and the things that happen. 
Sometimes those things that happen may be far removed from your own experience, but there are still dots connecting them if you can follow them far enough. There are several ways we could examine this idea and gain from understanding it, but this morning I'd like to focus on two very specific ways to connect the dots and how connecting the dots relates to our relationship with Christ. First of all, I'd like for us to explore how connecting the dots in the daily choices that we make, the things that we do, how we serve God, and in our prayers, and in our giving, and what that means as we follow Jesus. Secondly, I'd like us to consider how when we connect the dots and we think about God's advancement of his kingdom and his perfect plans and purposes for us as individuals and even in human history. The best way to look at connecting the dots when it comes to our service to God as believers is to review Paul's wonderful word picture of the body of Christ at work. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 12 and reading through verse 27. Now, this is a long passage, so stick with me here as I read this to you. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? And as it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. So you may be a big toe in the body of Christ, and you may think that because of this fact, your service is somehow a little less important than the lungs or the heart. But Paul's telling us here that's just not true. If you've ever hurt your big toe and you've had trouble walking because of it, you know how interconnected the parts of your body really are and how indispensable your big toe really is. Our body parts are interconnected for vital purposes. Remember the old song? The toe bone connected to the heel bone. You remember that? huh? Heel bone connected to the foot bone. Foot bone connected to the leg bone. Leg bone connected to the knee bone. Oh, hear the word of the Lord. You remember that song? Let me illustrate using Grace McIndarfer and Doris Eason as examples. Did you know that Grace and Doris are missionaries in China? 
Nobody knew that. Well, they both live in Tulsa, and they've never been to China, but it's true. It's true in a figurative sense if you connect the dots. A few weeks ago, Grace and Doris, along with Jody and Carl Eason and Shirley McWilliams, went with me to Chris and Annette Place's house to clean it before the Place's returned from China just a few days later. So Grace dusted, mopped, and sweat, and Doris cleaned toilets. How does that make them missionaries in China? Well, literally, it doesn't, but it does nevertheless make them participants in a very significant way when you connect the dots. So follow along with me as I do just that. The places had to travel more than 24 hours to get back to Tulsa, and they returned home exhausted. Their return home is supposed to include some significant time for rest and for renewal. Rest and renewal are a very important component in keeping physically and spiritually sharp and enabling you to be effective in your work as a missionary. So when you come home after a long trip, you're ready to begin re resting and renewing. The last thing you want to have to do is worry about cleaning up. So the places were able to begin their eight-month furlough designed for rest and renewal by actually resting and being free of at least that one care or responsibility. Let's connect the dots a little bit more. Because their furlough was, in that small way, begun on a good note, it set the tone for what will hopefully be a truly renewing and refreshing time for the family. Meaning that when they return to China in November, they'll feel emotionally, spiritually, and physically ready for the challenges that face them. What's more, they're no doubt encouraged by this very clear example of the love of the body at TCF for them. So when Annette and the kids minister in the orphanage in China, they'll be ready and they'll be equipped to minister the love of Christ to those children. When Chris returns to the clinic and residency, he'll be renewed and ready to teach and disciple. And perhaps a little girl at the orphanage will receive Jesus into her heart. And perhaps one of Chris's resident doctors will be so well trained in merging medical care and Christian compassion that many will come to Christ. And we can trace just a little piece of that back to Grace and to Doris. And of course, we can trace that back to all of you who have given to TCF missions and helped them in their work. We can trace that back to those of you who pray for missions and pray specifically for the place family. So these are just examples. And obviously, this is just one example. And it happens to be missions related. We could just as easily connect the dots in any other kind of service that we are involved with in the body of Christ. It helps me sometimes to connect the dots between my small acts of obedience and service and the many ways God can use these things. Scripture doesn't use that phrase. It doesn't say anywhere, connect the dots. But the relationship between what we do and what happens as a result is clear in Scripture. Let me just give you an example. Psalm 128, verse 1 and 2. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. 
Isaiah chapter 32, verse 17, the fruit of righteousness will be peace. The effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. What this means in real life is that every act of service or obedience to God, no matter how small, no matter how seemingly unimportant or supposedly insignificant, can ultimately bear fruit in God's kingdom. Just because we can't always see it firsthand does not mean there's no fruit. In fact, if you think about it, it's probably more common than not that we don't witness the outcomes of our service and our obedience immediately. Sometimes the truth is we never see it. But that doesn't mean things aren't happening. We've mentioned before that there's no hierarchy of service in the kingdom of God. Missionaries are not more important than pastors. Pastors are not more important than children's church leaders and teachers. And teachers are not more important than custodians. And custodians are not more important than those who have a ministry of prayer and those who are in quote-unquote full-time Christian ministry are not more important in the kingdom of God than those who work a secular job. Here's how Paul put it in his letter to Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning with verse 5. What after all is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. We all have an important and vital role in the Great Commission, as well as simply being God's agents, his fellow workers, as Paul puts it to the Corinthians, of mercy and grace and compassion. Paul told the Corinthians here that the Lord has assigned to each one a task. So whatever your task, no matter how unimportant or important it seems, it's part of a team effort, whether you're Grace McIndarfer or you're Chris Place. God is the one who brings results from the team effort. Paul tells us that whatever we do, whatever role we fill in the kingdom of God, we have one purpose. Verse 8, that's what it says, the man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose. Paul also tells us that we can't sit back and say, well, this or that ministry is not my job. We shouldn't ask whether or not we fit into God's purposes, but how we fit into God's plans. Now, that sometimes can be difficult for us to visualize. It's a little easier for us to look at the work that Chris does and see how that fits than it is for us to look at some other things, for example. But God is the one who brings results from the team effort. Paul tells us that whatever we do, whatever we role we fill, we all have one purpose. We can't sit back and say, that's not my job. That's why it's good occasionally for us to connect the dots. When we do, we can see things that things like cleaning the toilets of a missionary's house or giving to missions or praying are all vital tasks in the whole enterprise. Back to the letter to the Corinthians, Paul says each will be rewarded 
according to his own labor. And then in verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers. Now here's Paul. He was a church planting missionary. And he's telling those Christians in Corinth that they are a part of the mission. They are a part of the outworking of the purpose. My guess is that many, if not most, of those Corinthians never left Corinth their entire lives. Just like Grace and Doris have never been to China, at least not yet. But Paul's also telling them that they're still part of the team, even though they don't go to some of the exotic places that Paul has been going. And as part of the team, they have a responsibility. And for that responsibility, they will be held accountable and they will also be rewarded for that, for how they fulfill that responsibility. And that's because Christianity is a team sport. Church is a team sport. And every member of the team wins or loses together. The truth is, in almost every example you can think of, and we could cite many this morning, from business to sports to the church of Jesus Christ, everybody's a role player. Even the so-called superstars, that is, those who are the most visible, the ones who get the most acclaim or attention. But whether we're looking at world missions, community outreach, evangelism, or anything else, the message is the same. Paul tells the Corinthians and us that what we are is servants. We are servants fulfilling different roles, yet servants nonetheless. And then later in the passage In chapter 12, which we read a moment ago, Paul uses a different mental image to tell us that we're all important, vital parts of the very same body. And sometimes when we forget that, we must learn, we must remember to connect the dots. When we do connect the dots, it encourages us, it motivates us to do even the small things, to be obedient to God. Of course, Paul also tells us that God's responsible for it all. In verse 7, it says, So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. And that brings me to another way we need to remember to and learn to connect the dots. In his message last Sunday, Jim Garrett talked about God's sovereignty. That essentially means that God's in charge of everything. So in the context of what we're looking at this morning, God is the ultimate dot connector. When we connect the dots in our minds, what we're doing is just recognizing reality. We're learning and realizing the way that things really do fit together. But when God connects the dots, he's creating reality. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11 says this, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Now think about this for a moment because this is truly an amazing, awesome thought. This passage reveals some amazing truths about our awesome God. First of all, we were chosen. As followers of Christ, it says, in him... We were chosen, and that wasn't an accident. It was part of God's purpose from the beginning of time for me, for you, to be chosen to follow him. What's more, when we make plans, we can kind of only wish and hope that they'll work out as we plan them. We can only do our best, but God's best is perfect. 
He doesn't hope like we hope. He decrees. Paul wrote to the Ephesians here that God works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Everything. Everything. Think about that. Here's how the New Living Translation puts it in the same uh, verse. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. The word translated works or works out here in this passage is the Greek word energeo. We get our English word energy from this word. It means to be at work, to be effective, to be operative, to be active, to produce an effect. It means to produce an effect. God produces a specific outcome. That's why I like the New Living's insight here in this passage. He makes everything work out according to his plan. What an amazing thought. The affirmation here is not merely that God accomplishes the designs of salvation according to the counsel of his own will, but that he does everything. His agency is not confined to one thing or to one class of objects. Every object and event is under his control and is in accordance with his eternal plan. The word rendered works, energeo, means to work, to be active, to produce. It would be impossible to affirm more explicitly that God's agency is universal than Paul does in the passage before us. He does not attempt to prove it. It is one of those points on which he does not deem it necessary to pause and reason, but which may be regarded as a conceded point in the discussion of other topics and which may be employed without hesitation in their illustration. Paul does not state the mode in which this is done. He merely affirms the fact. This idea is reinforced in other verses in Scripture. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. So think about this. When we learn to connect the dots, we can sometimes catch just a glimpse of how God is working everywhere, how he's moving, as Jim Garrett likes to say, the chess pieces around the board, thinking, knowing, many moves ahead to accomplish his purpose in our individual lives, and how as those individual lives intersect in ever-increasing numbers out from us, he actually works out his purposes and his plans in human history. When we think of the power of God, we're often drawn to miracles because they are quite amazing. Healings, resurrections, parting of seas, things like that. But you know what? When I think of the power of God, I think of his ability to take the free choices of his followers as well as the free choices of those who are not his followers and without violating anyone's freedom to choose, to use those choices to make everything work out according to his plan. Yes, a miraculous healing is amazing, but to me, this thought is even more amazing. This ability our sovereign God has to connect the dots, 
to take what to us is a seemingly random sequence of dots, connect them in order, and then in doing that, paint a beautiful picture. A picture demonstrating his glory. A beautiful picture revealing his mercy and his grace. A beautiful picture illustrating his justice and his power. A beautiful picture of exactly what he has designed and planned. And let's relate this to our learning to connect the dots. God's already connected the dots in his eternal plans and purposes. But amazingly, he chooses to use us, his followers, not only to be pieces of the puzzle, the dots that he connects, but to participate in those connections. Familiar passage, Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are part of God's connect the dots puzzle, his workmanship. And he created us to participate in the process, in his perfect plans. So when Doris cleans toilets and Grace dusts dusts furniture, it's part of the good works that God has prepared for them to do. So we can trace those dots all the way back to the beginning of time. But more than that, we can trace those dots forward and catch a glimpse, sometimes just a glimpse, but we can catch a glimpse of how our acts of service and obedience and some of the all things that God works for good, how they work together. In the Ephesians passage, we see the phrase, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That phrase is best understood to mean that every single event that occurs is in some sense predestined by God. At the same time, Paul emphasizes the importance of human responsibility, as is evident in all of the moral commands later in Ephesians. For example, Ephesians chapters 4 through 6, and in all of Paul's letters. As Paul demonstrated in all of his remarkable efforts in spreading the gospel, he believed that doing personal evangelism and making conscious choices to obey God are also absolutely essential in fulfilling God's plan. God uses human means to fulfill what he has ordained. With regard to tragedies and evil, Paul and the other biblical writers never blame God for them. Rather, they see the doctrine of God's sovereignty as a means of comfort and assurance, confident that evil will not triumph and that God's good plans for his people will be fulfilled. How God's sovereignty and human responsibility work together in the world is a mystery no one can fully understand. So let's develop this critical skill of connecting the dots. Now, we'll never develop it perfectly, but let's recognize that this this is happening, and it's happening daily in our lives, in the big things and the little things. Connecting the dots is like faith. In a connect-the-dots puzzle, what do you start with? You start with the assumption that there is, in fact, an image there. You believe that there is something to see other than just dots. You trust that there was an artist who designed this picture that will be revealed if you continue to connect the dots one at a time in sequence. 
Now, if you don't connect the dots in sequence, or if you stop connecting the dots at some point, you'll never see the picture that the artist has designed. Think about how this looks in our Christian lives. We don't always see what God is doing. We don't always see how he's using us or what he's doing in others or in the world. That's because most of the time we only have part of the picture. But we do have this. We do have the word of God. And it tells us that God's in charge. It tells us that there are steps we should be following in our lives. It tells us not completely, but it does tell us that not only are the dots of life connected, but how to understand the relationships between what we do and what happens. And it tells us that God has designed and does see that big picture that we can't fully see. As followers of Jesus, we will someday see the final results of the connected dots. We might catch a glimpse of it in this life, but I believe we'll see it revealed in the presence of God in eternity, how the dots are connected. And I believe that thinking about how the dots are connected in this life builds our faith. In the next life, in God's presence, seeing that full picture of how the dots are connected will bring glory to him. Why? Because we'll see the big picture of his ultimate plans and purposes. And we'll be amazed at what that shows us of God's power, of his love, his justice, his omnipotence, his omniscience, his holiness, all the things that make God the sovereign God who saved us from sin and death. And I think when we get to heaven, we're going to see this big picture. We're going to see those dots connected. And all we're going to be able to do is say, wow, 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 God. So that's what you were doing there. That's what you were doing here. I think what it will cause us to do in giving glory to God, we will fall on our knees as Paul did at the end of Romans chapter 11 where he wrote, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. That's what we will say when we see all those dots connected that we can't quite see now. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we're grateful that you are the ultimate dot connector. And Lord, we pray that in this life, you would give us the ability to connect the dots between the things that we do and the things that you're doing. Allow us, Father, these glimpses to build our faith, to motivate us, Father, to be obedient and to serve you. But, Father, help us to remember that in those times when we can't see how the dots are connected and we can't understand that you do, Father. You do see, you have a plan, you have a purpose. And your plan for, and purpose is good for us, and it's for your glory. May we bring glory to you, Father, as we follow your plan and purpose for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.